So Kyle. Yeah, Tyler. A lot of marketers have been watching the hockey playoffs a lot. And I'm not just saying that because your hometown national predators are doing quite well this year. Do you know why marketers are watching the hockey playoffs so closely? I don't know why. Why? They love hitting goals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of goals being hit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Lionshare Podcast for marketing leaders by marketing leaders. Brought to you by Fidelitas Development. All right, and welcome to episode 10 of the Lionshare Marketing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Sickmeyer, along with Kyle, your Match.com Match of the Day Weber. And uh, we are excited to be here with you today and have a great guest lined up. Kyle, who's on the air today with us? So today our interview is with Assistant Director of PR for the LA Chargers, Scott Yaffe. Is that the same Chargers that used to be the San Diego Chargers? It is. Can you believe it? No longer no. San Diego. It's LA. No. It's funny. There's a little bit of a backstory there. Maybe we'll get into it. How our office was almost the 50-yard line for the stadium that Scott was working to put together. So former nemesis, right. now friend, Scott Yaffe coming on the podcast. I know. Yeah, that's crazy. But first, Tyler, what's in the news? News team. So today in the news, there's a new feature out on Adweek talking about what new grads can do to avoid falling into the ad industry's burnout rut, which is obviously something that is a key issue that a lot of agencies and in-house marketing teams face. And it's something that marketing leaders must work to avoid with their teams. Obviously, anytime someone new joins the team, they often get tasked with paying their dues, so to speak, and they get right. tasked with long hours. And I think something our industry is victim to at large is unrealistic expectations and unrealistic goals and delivery deadlines. And what that leads to is a lot of long hours, late nights, and not necessarily the best work out of people. What do you think about all that? You know, I completely agree. I think there's so many different things that I don't think this is just a new grad issue. I just think this is uh, an issue across the board in the industry where you know, we need to focus on systems and making the most of our time. Like you said, having realistic expectations, I think is really important. I think it's important to lay out expectations and create policies around those expectations. But I also think that, you know, for people who are in the industry, it's really important to take some time for yourself and figure out what it is that recharges you, restores you. Uh, so that way you're not working on an empty battery. I think that's a huge mistake most people make is that they continue to grind, 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 but there's nothing that's recharging them. Tyler, what do you do to recharge? Well, this is something I advocate for our entire team and uh, for anyone that works behind a keyboard for a living is to take time and go do physical activity. Like for, so for me, it's basketball. I still play fairly competitively. And of course, family time as well is important. But, but I think you, you have to have some sort of physical outlet for that stress that you build up within your job, especially when you're in the space that we are. And of course, a lot of times we're required to think up great ideas on demand for clients and not just us, but, but the industry in general. I, I think both marketing leaders in agency and in-house at different companies and entrepreneurs uh, that are running their own businesses often have that task fall on them as well. And it can be demanding and taxing. And I think one thing, especially when we look at new grads, they need to look at not settling for a J-O-B, as uh, Dave Ramsey would call it. I think if, if you're just looking for a job in a way to make 40K a year, the ad industry is a horrible way to do that. Not all salaries are created equal. 
So I think that if you're just looking for a job, you should definitely try to get into something else outside of this space. But if you're passionate about it and you love the creativity and the ingenuity that's required to be successful in the ad industry, I think it's a great fit. And I think that at that point, if you're passionate about what you're doing and you're doing what you love, you can tolerate and, and you can sustain those long hours in the early going as you sort of pay your dues and work your way up. And I mean, heck, I mean, we've, you know, you've been with Fidelitas now for over five years and yeah. uh, we, we've certainly had to pay our dues as we've grown up as an agency as well. So I think... Yes, we have. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think everyone has to go through it at some point. I, I, I think if anyone's coming out feeling entitled to a 35-hour work week, remote hours, and great benefits, and a $75,000 salary. Unless unless you're a developer, you're probably not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think part of it is to realistic expectations. And I'd also say colleges need to do a much better job of training up our workforce before they come out. I mean, and you see this as well because you work with our interns as well. But so many of our interns, while they have great attitudes and a great desire to learn and, and to grow, uh, many of them are coming out of college without the basic skill sets. So we find ourselves teaching them basic fundamental things like how to write and how to communicate professionally. So they're not learning in the college classroom. And I think that's a big issue that our industry is going to have to address a, as a whole is how are we going about training the next generation of our workforce? And frankly, is college the best avenue for that? Or do we need to look at apprenticeships? Do we need to look at a higher level paid internship program where, where we turn our interns into apprentices, so to speak, and we, we actually teach them the ropes and teach them what they need to know to be successful in this industry? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if they know that that's the industry that they want to go into ahead of time. There's something to be said for uh, internships, apprenticeships, and I think utilizing those. And you know, going back to new grads, right, getting into the workforce, right away if they haven't been prepared with those skills. Not only are they having to learn everything about the industry, but they're also having to go back and learn those basic skills in order to make themselves successful. It can be a lot. It can be very overwhelming and it's very important for people to figure out how to, to recharge themselves, how to make sure that they're you know not on call 24-7 where they're like in a constant state of stress. I think if they can figure that out to know themselves and to know what recharges them, I think they're going to be doing themselves a very big favor for not burning out. Oh, absolutely. And I think the other key thing too, again, just as leaders and our marketing leaders listening to this podcast, it's important to make sure your teams of all ages understand the why. People need to understand the reason why they're being asked to do what they're doing and what's the payoff and what's the goal and what are we working towards and what's our, what's our 20 mile march, so to speak, to steal a line from uh, Jim Collins. And I, I think that's important to communicate from the top down. And if you don't, you're going to have a lot of directionless people looking to cut corners wherever they can to try and avoid that burnout in all the wrong ways. Absolutely right. And other people just go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone has their way of coping, I'd say. No doubt. So without further ado, Kyle, let's get to our interview that I'm sure our listeners are going to be very excited to hear. A lot of great insights on the PR front from our friend Scott Yuffie. And today on the Lionshare Marketing Podcast, we have Scott Yaffe, the Associate PR Director for the LA Chargers with us today. And Scott, glad to have you on the Lionshare Marketing Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's funny, Scott. Uh, you, you know, the irony is we sit here and record this at Fidelitas headquarters in San Diego. I'm literally sitting on what would have been the 50-yard line of the new San Diego Chargers Stadium if it had been built. So it's kind of a Kind of ironic to come full circle. You know, admittedly, we were uh, on opposite sides of the issue for justifiably selfish reasons when it came to the stadium downtown. Uh, but, but it's kind of interesting how everything came about. But before we get into all 
all that and some of the PR challenges and victories that you've had with the Chargers. Tell us, how did you get into PR and then how did you end up with the Chargers? It was kind of a fortunate turn of events, actually. It goes back to when I was in college. I came to school down here at San Diego State. It's funny, as a freshman, I went through fraternity rush my first year and thought I was all dead set to get into this one house and didn't happen. So as an 18-year-old freshman, I kind of walked away with my tail between my legs. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, you want to get in, don't get in. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of wild. So I figured I'd take a semester off and just kind of live the dorm life. And then second semester of my freshman year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it one more shot. And went through the process, literally stumbled into another house, Sigma pie house over at San Diego State. Short story there, I ended up getting asked to join the house. And, you know, over the years, I ended up a couple of my fraternity brothers actually worked in the athletic department at San Diego State. And they were the ones that kind of helped me get my foot in the door. And I ended up spending about two and a half years in the athletic department there, kind of getting uh, my career kick started. So you know, it's funny how things work out sometimes. You know, you think that, you know, the world's about to end when it, you know, something goes against you. And then, you know, you look at back at how the uh, events played out and it turned out to be a pretty fortuitous move the way it did. Wow, that's awesome. It's funny how uh, seemingly insignificant events line up to give us our most significant opportunities. I'm sure the guys at the first house are probably looking back now and saying, God, we we wish we had the NFL guy in our house 21 years later. (laughs) So now, Scott, tell us, uh, obviously, it's a little bit different. A lot of times, I I think PR pros find themselves as one man or one woman armies with their respective brands if they're in-house or if they're part of an agency. Obviously, there are multiple people working on on the team. But uh, being a part of a larger team with the Chargers, what's that like? You know, it's exciting because, you know, I guess every... PR company or every agency or every client, you have a, a different goal. But, you know, our goal here is unique because every year it's been to try to win the Lombardi trophy, you know, and get that Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, you know, this is kind of a, um, it's a little bit different when you're on the sports PR side because you're, you know, you're really all in representing your team, your brand. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about wins and losses. And uh, you're trying to win as much as you can. And um, those, the highs of winning and those moments that are hard to replicate. So, I, you know, in that sense, I guess it's exciting and, and challenging working for a team when, when that's your end goal is to try to win a championship. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and so now tell us, what's it like balancing? Because obviously you want to win a championship, but there's also a P&L statement that, that has to be accounted for as well. So what's it like balancing the business interests and the competitive sports interests of an entity like the LA Chargers? Well, I think for us and in our cases, you know, our success and failure is not measured on a bottom line. You know, we don't sell tickets. We don't sell suites. We don't sell sponsorships. You know, I I like to tell people all the time, you know, we buy relationships or buy personalities and sell relationships. And that's what we're in. We're in the relationships business. And our measuring stick is our relationships and our ability to go out and deliver opportunities for the team that they may not necessarily be able to um, go out and cut a check for. And those are, like I said, those are opportunities in the media that we go out and solicit and create, you know, above and beyond the, the built-in media that I, I would say comes in with, comes with being part of a, a team like this. But it's it, it's those relationships when you're able to kick those doors down and just do that much more uh, and, and create that much more brand awareness for your team and your brand. Uh, you know, that's how, how our wins are measured. Since you talked about measuring wins, we'll go right for, for a minute. Tell us about what kind of KPIs are you tracking uh, for your success internally? It's kind of varies. You know, it's, it's, it's minutes on TV, it's time on the radio, it's inches in print, it's digital media and social media, you know, measurements. I mean, that's how our kind of our scale is measured, you know, so that's really kind of the barometer. We're tracking all that stuff all the time just to see how we're doing and, you know, where we can increase and, and look for more opportunities and kind of other opportunities to grow our brand and, and put our name out there and, and fill spaces that we're not currently filling. Like the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mission accomplished. 100%. That's <laughs> Great. So Scott, obviously, uh, for a lot of our listeners that are marketing leaders, especially those in charge of PR with people that uh, are handling the PR for them and reporting back to them, uh, their challenges are a little bit different. When you're a startup or if you're a luxury brand, you have a different set of challenges in terms of garnering coverage than say an NFL franchise that's almost entitled to coverage and you can expect an, a certain amount of coverage every week to the point you probably even have to turn away as much as you take just because you know there's there are only so many hours of the day for opportunities for interviews and different types of opportunities to pursue on on the media front so what's it like being on that side where you almost have more coverage than you could ever want you know i think in our case a lot of it you know our kind of our philosophy has always been try to maximize exposure and minimize distraction because you're right i mean we're in an industry where these guys that we work with whether it's players coaches you know front office executive staff their time is valuable so, you know, there's a lot of companies that, you know, don't have that advantage where they can, you know, have that luxury of being able to turn down media. Uh, so, like I said, we try to maximize, you know, exposure and minimize distractions to just kind of weigh out the benefits of, uh, you know, the requests that we get as they come in. And, you know, there's some that you might look at on paper and think, well, maybe there's, it's, you know, this is not as beneficial as that one. But, you know, there are other elements and factors that go into it, I think, that you weigh in. And at the end of the day, you just decide what's best for your your team, your company, and your, you know, your individuals in the organization. Yeah, that's prime. The NFL, they, they do such a great job uh, when it comes to brand and really the, the league's PR machine for 365 media coverage. Year round, there's always something, whether it's the NFL draft or the playoffs or the combine or training camp, how much does the league uh, rely on the franchise PR departments like yours uh, to keep that engine moving and to keep that 24-7 news coverage going in the local market? Well, I think everybody works hand in hand. I mean, we rely on the league for a lot of the messaging and the direction as far as uh, media campaigns and go throughout the year. The, The NFL, I mean, their goal is to be front page A1 above the fold 365 days a year. We had a, a talk at a uh, meeting a number of years ago, and Ari Fleischer, you know, former White House press secretary, came out. And he actually spoke to our group, and you know, he basically said kind of the same thing, that the NFL is kind of in that unique uh, circle of entities like the government, you know, the uh, the military, where you're literally in the news 24-7, 365 days a year. And, you know, that was really even before the explosion of social media. So you can just only imagine how much mm. the magnitude of that has grown, you know, with the, you know, the advent and the explosion of social media on top of, you know, your traditional media. Oh, certainly. And now you have so many successful third parties, for example, the ringer with Bill Simmons and uh, on the basketball side, the vertical that Adrian Wojcicki just sold to ESPN. It seems like there's more and more of these third party media sites popping up that justifiably have the traffic to demand coverage and demand attention from from you and your team. Uh, how do you go about vetting which ones are worthwhile and which ones you should pass on? Uh, again, I think it's just you're looking to, to maximize your exposure and you kind of got to know what your audience is. You know, there's certain there's a number of blogs now um, kind of along those lines that have blown up and exploded over the years and you know there's certainly more that are uh, tailored towards football so you obviously kind of tend to steer toward those you know and then you identify your target audiences too and if there's a a certain third party outlet as you refer to it out there that uh, you know has a a good reach into demographic that you're trying to reach you know you always weigh those factors into consideration as well. Certainly. And along the same lines, you know, an interesting dynamic that you have to work with probably more so than most other teams in the league uh, being in Southern California is the Hispanic market. What kind of uh, challenges or opportunities have you seen on the the engagement with the Hispanic media outlets? Well, it's funny because you would ask 
a little bit ago about how the NFL office steers the uh, kind of the direction of the message and whatnot. Um, there's always been a big push from the league, especially over the last handful of years, really to delve into the, the Hispanic community. I mean, you saw last year that they went down and played a Monday night football game down in Mexico City, and they're going to go back down there again. So the, the Hispanic community has always been, uh, you know, a real big target audience for the NFL. We're one of the handful of teams that have Spanish broadcasts, you know, throughout the season on radio and even going into L.A. Now we've got deals with uh, with TV and Spanish TV and radio stations up there. So um, it's a big community and uh, there's a huge Hispanic fan base. And uh, we've always aggressively marketed toward them uh, to, you know, incorporate them and, and involve them with the team. Right. Great. So, so Scott, as, as the team moves to L.A., uh, what's the reaction been like from the L.A. media and what kind of initiatives have you taken to put your best foot forward entering a new market? You know, the media has been uh, been very positive up there in the initial stages of the, uh, the relocation announcement. Uh, you know, we've really made a, an effort to uh, engage them with open arms. And I think we've been received um, similarly up there. Um, so that's been encouraging. Uh, you know, there it's a, obviously a big market. It's a number two media market in the nation. So we knew it would be um, a little bit of an expanded market up there and probably a little more vast just because the population up there is so much greater. But again, they've been uh, they've been tremendous to work with. You know, the newspapers, the radio stations, the TV have all been uh, very gracious and uh, welcoming. And um, it's a good experience kind of expand the Rolodex and get to know some of those folks a little better. Not that we didn't already because... You know, a handful have come down over the years to cover us from L.A. down here, you know, for games and, and whatnot down at San Diego. So we always already had, you know, quite a few relationships up there. But there's, you know, even more folks that we hadn't dealt with on a regular basis that we've been able to reach and, and get to know and build those relationships with. And, and, and that's been fun and, and exciting as part of this. That's great, Scott. And have you faced any new challenges to L.A. being the number two media market in the nation compared to a smaller market like San Diego? Obviously, advantages and disadvantages to each. But have you, have you seen any stark differences between the two as far as uh, how you go about your job on the PR side? No, not really. I mean, there's nothing really that stands out. Obviously, like I said, I think you have a, just up there, you have uh, maybe a little bit more breadth of media opportunities uh, just because you've got you know, some of the national programs are based out of LA. So there's, you know, a little bit more opportunity up there, I guess you could say. You also have the entertainment industry, which we've had some crossover with them on a couple of things. So um, again, I think it's more this, you know, not really a challenge, but it's just been kind of a neat opportunity to um, kind of grow your brand and expand into some, uh, you know, some markets or some, uh, some niche areas that you didn't necessarily, uh, you know, do here in San Diego on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to imagine that having the ESPN LA studios in your backyard is an advantage because you can obviously send players on the circuit and get them on four or five shows in a day versus San Diego. Again, no knock on our fine city, but there's just not that national media presence here. Yeah, but I should say, you know, that's, you know, with that being said, I mean, the NFL Network, for example, is based out of LA too. And I can't tell you the number of times that we had guys making the up in LA, making the, the, the circuit run through the NFL Network. So some more of those guys, like you mentioned, the ESPN LA up there. I mean, this is already stuff that we've done previously. Um, I think just the fact that, you know, we're an LA based team now, I think there's so there's a little bit more opportunity to be able to do that on a regular basis because you don't have the geographic difference built in. All right. So Scott, obviously uh, we're in the hot stove season, so to speak, with football right now with free agent signings and trade rumors and draft rumors and all the offseason chatter that helps keep the NFL in the, in the news year round. Tell us 
from a PR department standpoint, obviously you share the goal of the organization to try and win a championship and bring a championship back to your community. And obviously like any good team, I'm sure you use everything that's within the rules to your advantage. So from a PR standpoint, does the team ever intentionally leak information? So like, for example, bringing in a free agent for a workout to maybe use as negotiating leverage with another free agent that you actually want or leaking trade rumors or trying to squelch trade chatter or what? Tell, tell us tell us about the, the function of the PR department and trying to help the front office maneuver moves and leveraging media coverage to your advantage. You know, honestly, I think it's kind of more the the opposite effect of more of trying to kind of put out fires or put out false rumors that are out there. I guess you could probably say the downsides to social media is there's a lot of stuff that's put out there now that's not necessarily sourced or it's not accurate, and the people that are put out there aren't necessarily held accountable for putting misinformation out there. So I think that's more on the other side for us of trying to, uh, you know, correct the narrative, I guess you could say, um, you know, versus us being out there trying to put out the negative fake news, which has all of a sudden become a, uh, a hot topic lately. You know, it doesn't, doesn't benefit your business. Absolutely. So how do you go about combating that fake news? Kind of have different strategies for everything, but I think you just try to take them on a case by case basis. And you know, if there's information or misinformation out there that you got to go out and correct, then you know you put a plan in place to to what the best way is to correct the narrative. Got it. Absolutely. And and nowadays it's tough because I mean, if you get a player flying into Southern California for a workout with you guys, uh, the minute they're on the plane, someone's tweeting it. <laughs> So how do you try to stay ahead of the inadvertent coverage of fans and media that are finding out stuff possibly even before your front office gives you a heads up? Well, you know, it's funny because we always kind of remind our players all the time when we do our media training with them that we just remind them, look, everybody that's got a cell phone, you can think of as a reporter because somebody's got a phone, they've got a camera on it. And we not only warn them about that on the football side, but I mean, just that's something to be cognizant of in your daily life too when you're out living your life just realize that people are out there and have cell phones and you know anybody with a cell phone and a camera nowadays is is should be thought of as a reporter that's great advice yeah really sound advice scott and what's that media training like especially for your rookies mostly just kind of bringing them up to speed with what the expectations are and um, you know kind of the difference in policies in the nfl i think the biggest difference that these guys come in they find is that we have open locker rooms in the NFL and typically the colleges, in fact, I don't know of any colleges actually that have open locker rooms for the media. So that's different. You know, they, with the uh, NFL is a mandatory 45 minute open locker room policy after practices. And then your, your locker room is open after games. So you not only have reporters in there, you also have female reporters in there. So, um, you know, it's just kind of making sure these guys that, come in and they just understand the the inner workings of the NFL and things like that, along with what the expectations are, you know, what we ask of them. Uh, and there's a lot of things that we ask of them, but this is their job and it's part of it. So we just try to kind of set an outline for them, a path of what the expectations are. And again, we want to, you know, maximize their, their time and their exposure and minimize the distractions because we know that at the end of the day, they're here for one thing and that's to win football games. All right. Great. So, so Scott, obviously a lot of marketing pros want to work in sports. I know I certainly did as a younger professional. And even now, I mean, we still love working with clients in the uh, professional sports space. What advice would you give to marketing pros that want to break into the sports industry, be it the NFL or, or another league? Look, it, it's great because the uh, some of the things you get to experience, the opportunities, uh, you know, they're opportunities, experiences of a lifetime. And I would trade any of my 21 years in for a single day, two of these experiences I've had to go through. I mean, I've literally done everything you could imagine in 21 years other than walk away with a Super Bowl ring. And, um, and I literally, I've been to every NFL city. I've been to every NFL stadium. You know, I've heard every pregame, postgame, and post-practice speech known to man. 
uh, work Hall of Fame players and all that. So it's been tremendous. But I tell people, you know, especially my friends all the time that, look, this job is is not cut out for everybody. And there's a lot of people that want to work in sports. And I have great respect for that. But there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes into working for a team, you know, just as far as, you know, your lifestyle, your family, spend a lot of time away from your families. You know, you put in unbelievable hours, especially during your season, you know, constant travel on the go. You're always subject to just scrutiny, like I said, or, you know, you're always, you know, one call away from, you know, having to pull out your crisis management plan and, and put out a fire of some sort or not. So again, it's a, it, it is a very challenging job, but I've loved the challenge for these last 21 years. It's been an unbelievable experience. And uh, like I said, I've got a, an office full of memories here. I'm looking around at right now while we're talking, you know, kind of brings back some of those memories. It's special, but like I said, it, you know, this is not a, a, an eight to five or a nine to five where you got your weekends free, um, you know, where you're at the beach surfing for a couple. This is a real, real job. And, you know, in our case, you know, the NFL is calendars evolved. So it's now literally like a 12 month year round calendar. You know, you really have to be willing to make that commitment and that sacrifice to be able to not only to do this job, but to excel at it. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think that that's starting to apply more and more uh, throughout the industry at large, both in PR and in marketing in general. And you know, the intro to this interview, what Kyle and I just recorded and talked about is industry burnout and folks getting burnout on the industry pretty early. And it all comes back to you've got to love what you do. Scott, since you brought up the plethora of uh, locker room speeches you've heard, what's the best one you heard? And uh, can you repeat any of it? You know, I, it's funny because I, I, there's not really anything that stands out. I can't really think of any message or one message, you know, to regurgitate. I think it's just times that I'll remember just it's winning a big game and just being in that locker room. There's just there's certain moments that you can't really explain it. Just having been able to be there and go through it and experience it. They're, they're magical times. You win a playoff game. You win a, a league championship, which, you know, I was fortunate to win, you know, five of them while I was here with the team. And uh you know, go to playoff games. Uh, you know, we've had some unbelievable highs, you know, but there's also been an equal number of lows. I mean, I can go through the list of those two. I mean, I started here in 96 and waited nine years to get to my first playoffs. And then we ended up losing a game in overtime on a Saturday night, primetime national TV. It was just, I mean, that was devastating. That was, took me about two weeks to get over that one. So there's not really like you asked, you know, not really like one speech or one thing that stands out, just a lot of great memories of, you know, being a part of something really special here these last 21 years. That's awesome, Scott. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us and talk shop with us a little bit. And we want to be respectful of your time. So just one last question for you. What's one takeaway uh, that you would want all of our marketing leaders that are listening today to remember when it comes to PR? I think the one thing that I kind of always remind people is, look, in our industry, in PR, our bottom line is going to be measured on our relationships. And I, I really think that it's all you're measured about how you treat people and, you know, how you respect people. And again, I'm not out selling tickets or suites or sponsorships. Everything I'm selling is based on my reputation. And I've just always kind of believe that if you want to be a success in this industry or in PR in general, not, not even in sports, you really have to have a solid reputation. You got to be able to back it up and you've got to treat people right because you're in the people business. And if you can't treat people right and you're not the type of person that's you know willing to go out and engage and invest in people and, and build those relationships, it's really tough to succeed in this industry. So you know, I've always kind of told people, look, like I said earlier, we're in the relationships business. And, and that's at the end of the day, that's the only thing I have to hang my hat on really is those relationships. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Great stuff, Scott. And uh, thanks again for joining us on the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. And uh, in, until next time, it's been a pleasure.
Okay, we'd just like to thank Scott Yaffe again for being our guest on episode 10. If you'd like to get the show notes, which would include the link to Scott's Twitter, you can go to lionsharepodcast.com slash 10. That's lionsharepodcast.com slash one zero. We'd also like to ask you if you would leave us a very kind five-star review on iTunes. And uh, we just like to say thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks again for the downloads, guys. I appreciate uh, our audience that has steadily grown over the time of this podcast and uh, looking forward to 10 more great episodes coming up soon. And uh, until next time, cheers. You've been listening to the Lion Share Podcast, brought to you by Fidelitas Development, your marketing partner for better brand loyalty. 